Hey, Billy, why don't we tell them what we're about, man? So we're here to welcome you to the Madhouse Chronicles. It's a talk show with myself, Billy Morrison. And me, and This man, Prince of Darkness. And we watch and react to the maddest internet clips. What do we discuss, Ozzy? Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, all that kind of shit. Drugs, rock and roll, aliens, and all that kinds of shit. Come and join Ozzy and myself. Visit OsborneMediaHouse.com to get special access to... Come to, on! What do you say? Do you think it's the wildest show on the internet? Oh. <laughs> Anything Ghost, number 302. Welcome to Anything Ghost. My name is Lex Wall. Anything Ghost has been serving your true ghost story needs since January of 2006. If you want to share a story for Anything Ghost, send it to lex at anythingghost.com or visit the website anythingghost.com and fill out the form there. Got some good stories coming up for you, so stick around for episode number 302. of Laura in San Francisco. Okay, so here goes. The story's from Edwina in Sydney, Australia. My name is Edwina, and I'm writing from Sydney, Australia. I love the show and enjoy listening to you just before I fall asleep in the evening, hoping to spot a spirit of my own, but is yet to happen. Maybe one day, this story comes from a friend of mine who recently got out of jail for petty crime. I won't go too much into detail about it. Anyway, he told me a story about what happened to him when he was inside, which I thought I would share with you. In the early settlement days, they would hold hangings, and both aborigines and convicts would be the ones they would hang. Unfortunately, he was based in a cell which was in the exact location of where those hangings would occur. He was told this by a prison guard. The prison itself was known to be haunted, and very often this was shared between cellmates and guards. Many of the cellmates would complain to each other of loud and thumping noises at night, like a heavy man running up and down cell blocks at night, and also the shaking of keys. Keys were no longer used to open cell doors. He also said there was loud, heavy running across the floors outside the cells, which are steel but have gaps throughout. That was a regular occurrence and would end right at a cell, followed by a falling sound and then another loud thump. He believes these were the sounds of spirits who were hanged at the jail, and the thumping sound was the body hitting the ground of the pit of which the bodies would fall which was where his cell was. 
One evening, my friend told me he was lying in bed in that period of half awake, half asleep. He shared his cell with a blonde-haired and quite short Irishman. He noticed in the corner of his eye what appeared to be an aboriginal man in his seventies, sitting next to him as he was on the lower bunk. He wasn't sure at first, but could see the heavy beard and could hear the snoring of his Irish cellmate above. Automatically, he responded by turning his body toward the unknown visitor to get a proper look. And out of sheer panic, after seeing what it was, he forced his fist at whatever or whoever was suddenly in his locked cell at 3 a.m. He said his fist met the spirit's face, or what he thought was the spirit's face, and the expression of shock grew through his eyes widening and his mouth opening and the ghostly head lifting back as if to avoid my friend's strike of the fist. Upon meeting his face, it almost appeared to be sucked back as if the fist had met the face and then simply disappeared in a backward fashion into thin air. One day, one of the guards was speaking to my friend about all the different strange phenomena that took place at Silverwater Prison. And he said one day, he was in a changeover period of the guard's shifts. The guard said he walked out and said, see ya, to one of the guards who was to take over his shift and noticed his fellow guard was dressed in a uniform, but it was that of an era from a long time ago. He later confirmed that in the 1950s or 60s, one of the guards there, while on duty, I'm not sure why or how, had died. He looked back after passing this guard, after realizing something odd, and saw him walking then disappear about five to ten meters behind him. I guess it may have been the same spirit who visits the cell blocks at night, jiggling his keys, and making sure everything is in order in the prison that he once worked and passed away in so many years ago. And the next story is from Leah in the U.S., Ghosts of Dairy House. From the time I was a small child, I've had several experiences with the paranormal. At the time it started, I thought it was normal and was unaware that what was happening around me and in the homes we lived in was considered paranormal. And to me, it was just normal. When my parents divorced, my mother moved us into an old farmhouse way out in the country, and I was about three years old. A lot of the things that happened, I remember, but some of them were stories I have heard many times over. So I'm not sure which were actual memories and which I merely heard. When we got settled into the old farmhouse that we called the dairy house, I had the front bedroom that faced the street. It was a huge old house with many rooms, and I remember it as always being cold, even in the middle of summer. We just could never seem to get the house to warm up. I remember one time playing in my room and thinking my mom was standing in the doorway watching me. She eventually came in through the other door, and I asked how she got around to the other side of the house so fast, because she was just standing at the front of my room. 
She told me she had been at the back of the house. My bedroom had a front door and a rear door. I was positive she had been standing at the front door watching me play for a long time. I kept asking her who it was at the other door then. She couldn't see anything, but I knew someone had been there. Years later, my mom told me that she used to feel like there was always someone in the house with us, and it gave her the creeps. So she moved us away from there. Eventually, my mother and brother were having similar things happen to them. So my mom moved us into a house in town. I had the upstairs bedroom across the hall from my mom. I was only about five or six, and my mom wanted me to have the room across from her so she could keep an eye on me. My brother, who was about 10 or 11, got the downstairs master bedroom with his own bathroom. When we got settled in the new house, we called it Almondwood House, I was the only one with the walk-in closet. And there were several times I went into my room and the closet door would be wide open and the light turned on. My mom told me that one night she looked in after me and I had gone to bed. When she walked in, she found me sitting straight up in bed, looking at the open closet door and saying, Come on, come out of there. It's okay, come over here. She said she was terrified that I was talking to someone or something that she couldn't see. She eventually took out the light bulb out of the closet and took the closet door off the hinges because it happened so many times. She knew she would leave the door closed and the light off and then walk back upstairs only to find the door open and the light back on. It only seemed to happen in my room and never in the rest of the house. My mom was a realtor and buying older homes and fixing them up was a passion of hers. So within a few years, she moved us into another old home in town that she wanted to restore. Everything was just fine in this house. We referred to it as the church house until my grandpa died. He was helping my mom install a built-in bookcase when he suffered an aneurysm and passed away in the living room. For weeks after he died, we would hear what sounded like drills, saws, and power tools very faintly in the house. One night, my mom finally said out loud, Dad, you have to stop making noises here. You are scaring us. We never heard it again. Eventually, my mom remarried. My new stepdad and my mother bought a big horse ranch in the country for our blended families. I clearly remember things that happened on the ranch. We would hear field workers in the distance when no one was there. Things would disappear, only to show up somewhere else that made no sense. We had several dogs that would bark and stare off at something only they could see. My folks had a paranormal group come investigate the house, and they told us that there were two spirits living there. One was the former owner, who had built the ranch, and had also died there. The other was a woman from the 1800s, who had lived on the property way back then. There was nothing scary about them, but it was disconcerting to feel them around the house. We had several large barns on the property, 
and it was not uncommon to hear someone call your name, only to walk around and not be able to find anyone nearby. One time I was home alone. I was about 15 and had just come in from feeding horses when I saw someone walk down the hallway. I thought maybe my mom had come home early or that my brother was home and he had someone there. But when I went to check, I found no one home. It was the middle of a summer day and it scared me so bad I left the house and went to the neighbors until someone came home. After several years, it was just my mom, stepdad, and me at the house, and the ranch was too much work for just the three of us. My brother and sister had moved on, and my folks moved back to the Almondwood house while they shopped for a smaller farm. When we moved into the Almond house, I took my mom's old bedroom, and she and my dad took my brother's old bedroom. There was still something creepy about my old bedroom since the house had been vacant for several years. The closet door was still in the garage and the light bulb was still gone. We used that bedroom for storage only. There was one incident that happened the second time we lived there. We were all downstairs watching TV and that old bedroom was directly over the living room where we were all sitting. When we heard what sounded like footsteps running across the floor above us. The dogs all started barking, and my dad went up and checked everything out, but could find nothing. It didn't take my mom too long after that to find a new house in the country. So far, nothing out of the ordinary has happened in the new house. I no longer live with my parents, but I live in the house my mom and my birth father built and nothing unusual has happened here either. But I now must say that if pressed, I would have to say that I believe in ghosts and the paranormal. So this is going to be a shorter episode than usual, but uh, if you want to check out all of the Anything Ghost episodes, you need to join the Anything Ghost VIP group. There's a one-time membership fee, and you'll have complete access to the Anything Ghost archive dating back to January of 2006. So check it out. Go to anythingghost.com, join VIP. Anythingghost.com, join VIP. And we're going to carry on now with a self-told story. It's from Matt in Pennsylvania. I live in a haunted house. I would like to tell you a story or two about the house that I currently live in. Um, basically, I've seen things since I was a child, um, but it really amped up after an appointment with an acupuncturist. And since then, it's really been crazy. Um, while we moved from a house in Pennsylvania, we finally found a house and it was perfect. It had everything that my wife and I ever wanted but not as big, like in, in small, in small ways, like, you know, a tree in the front yard, a driveway, a garage, backyard fenced in, and workshop for me, and it was just a perfect house. And uh, it's about a mile or two from the old house that was really bad and uh, haunted. And so 
we came to this house and we went through it and it was just perfect it's like god said here you go have this house and so we put, put an offer on it and nobody wanted to buy it and uh it's a beautiful house big it's a beautiful house and we got it for a really cheap price and i'll tell you why um, because after we made an offer and they accepted it the the realtor called up called us one night and said look and we had told her about the problems in the other house you know that we were renting about the ghosts and stuff and she you know i don't know how she took that but obviously she listened because she called and said listen i have to tell you um there were deaths in this house and by law she has to tell me so apparently three members of a family died in this house one was a little girl two years old one was her mother she died in the house as well uh, the little girl died first died first in the 70s i believe and then the mother died in the 90s in this house and then uh, let's see five years ago a 52 year old man a son died in this house and he was a musician very very good musician i'm not sure what he played he played something in an orchestra but they found him days days maybe weeks a couple weeks after he had died and the house was just they they, they smelled from outside the neighbors came down and and they called um, the police police came and busted the door down and sure enough he's laying on the couch with a remote in his hand dead with tv on and he had actually liquefied his body because it was hot and um, he laid there for so many weeks so they had to replace the floorboards paint everything and, and but she's telling us this over the phone and my heart just fell our hearts fell my wife and i and but you know i thought you know i'm gonna get it anyway so we did we we, we got this house even though this had this terrible thing happened so we moved in and uh it wasn't long you know that we were here that we, i was starting to hear things like upstairs and uh like walking and um i actually heard from the bathroom somebody a man and a, a girl arguing upstairs uh not badly but it, was, it sounded like a father and daughter argument I'm like, oh my gosh even the dog heard uh, my dog uh, you know he turned his head and we both listened and he she started to like yap she's a chihuahua um her name's peeps but uh yeah we, we heard that you know I'm, I'm hearing these things in this house and uh really starting to believe that this place is these people are still here so as time goes on and i'm hearing things and i hear like a rocker upstairs or walking just like the old house that i came from um so one night I was sitting in the in the living room and the dining room is to my left and something told me to look and I looked in the dining room in the dark and there stood a man and he actually looked like Jeffrey Dahmer that's who he looked like it wasn't him but that's what it looked like he had a uh, he had a short sleeve yellow shirt on with a pocket like with pins in it and he was smiling at me and just like that he was gone and he had like slacks on you know um 
so as time goes on, I started seeing other things. I saw, um, one day I saw a little girl. Um, she was standing at the stairway. My wife and I were talking on the couch. And I turned my head and I looked. And boom, there's a little girl standing there. A little girl. Didn't look like a two-year-old that, that died in the house. It looked like maybe like an eight-year-old little girl. And she's just standing there. And she looked so sad. And she was there for about a second, and then she was gone. And uh, another time, shortly thereafter, I was shaving in the bathroom, and something again told me, look, look out the door. And I looked out the door, and here's this little girl peeking in. You know, freaked me out, and just vanished in front of my eyes. So, <clears throat> I, one day I was uh, watching a show on TV, and it was uh, scary, maybe. And I was by myself, and I looked in that dining room again, and there stood this man again, same clothes on, looking like Jeffrey Dahmer. So uh, I've seen him about four times in the house. Uh, we've heard a little girl say, crying for mommy, and I, I'd say, come to me. You know, I'm not your mommy, but you can come to me. And, uh, and we've heard a woman weeping. My wife and I both have heard this. Uh, clearly a woman weeping in our bedroom. We have orbs all through the bedroom. We have a camera put up. Um, we've caught things. I'd love to show, I'd love to show people what we've caught with this camera. Um, these, these orbs that just form into, looks like people's faces. Um, we took a picture one day outside. My wife took a picture of the landscape and of the front of the house. And when we looked at it, here is a man looking out the window at the picture, and he had black curly hair and glasses on. And so he looked up, just looked up the owner, like, like the, the street address. And this man came up, and and here he built the house. He had the house built, and the man looked identically identical to the the man in the picture. So I I feel like the dad is actually here in this house as well since he passed away a long time ago moving on i was washing my car one day in the driveway and the neighbor came up and talked to me and my wife was there and and uh hey who who owned this house and he began to tell me the story i said i know somebody died here he said well yeah i found i'm the one that came to the door and i smelled something from the sidewalk you know, about 30 feet away and it was really intensely gross <laughs> so he went to the door and knocked and he's friends with this guy this musician man he was about in his 50s but <clears throat> he didn't come to the door but it was a terrible stench so he called he's the one that called the police and uh they had to come in here like i said hazmat came in cleared the house out changed floorboards paint and everything but um and nobody wanted to buy the house we got him a great deal but i said to him you know what did he look like and, and then i said stopped and i said can i tell you what i've seen and he said sure i said i've seen a man with blonde hair with these glasses and a short sleeve shirt with uh, you know uh, a dress shirt with pens in his pocket and slacks on and he said that's him I said, did he look like Jeffrey Dahmer? A little bit. And the guy said, yes, he did look like Jeffrey Dahmer. 
So this is the real deal. This house is the real deal. And it just continues to go on and on. Um, I, I, I don't feel threatened at all, really. I'm going to cleanse the house. I have um, sage and I have cedar um, that we're, we are going to burn. I would like to get this house cleared out because I've woken up with bruises and some really bad scratches on my hand and on my arm, which I have pictures of. I'd love to share with you guys. But um, yeah, I live in a haunted house and uh, I lived in another haunted house before and that's another story. And that's a much weirder, more scary story. And I'll, I'll send that in to you sometime, Lex. But yes, there, uh, there are things out there that we do not see that are <clears throat> spiritual energies that's all i have to say so you have a great show lex i really love it and uh i'll send you some more okay my name is matt by the way m-a-t-t so like a doormat i always say so thanks for listening and take care Welcome to Codependence, the weekly podcast that gives you direct access to me, Maya Allen, and my sis, Sierra Miller. Every week, we give you insider access into our sisterhood and lives. Part self-help and part comedic relief, Codependence is all about letting your guard down. Expect a lot of laughs and maybe some tears as we navigate this crazy world together. Join us every Wednesday for this funny, tea-spilling, shade-throwing podcast. The next story goes back to the year 1883. It's from Annie in the UK, the ghost girl. We received a letter a few days ago asking me to give you the account of my dear little girl's death, which took place on the 17th of May, 1879. I beg to state that it is as fresh on my mind as if it only occurred a few days ago. The morning was very bright, and I think the sun shone more bright than I had ever seen before. The child was four years old and five months, and a very fine girl. A few minutes after eleven, she came running into the kitchen and said to me, Mother, may I go out and play? I said yes. She then went out. Soon after I spoke to her, I went and fetched a pail of water from the bedroom. As I was walking across the yard, the child came out in front of me like a bright shadow, and I stopped quite still and looked at her. I turned my head to the right and saw her pass away. I emptied my water and was coming in. My husband's brother, who was staying with us, called to me and said that Fanny just got runned over. I then came through the house and went just across the road and found her. She had been knocked down by the horse's feet, and the wheel of the baker's cart had broken the brain at the back of her neck. She only breathed a few minutes in my arms. And then a narrator comments on the story. The accident occurred at Derby. The Derby and Chesterfield reporter gives a full account of it, which completely corresponds with the above. In a conversation with Mr. and Mrs. Sidgwick, 
on December 16, 1883, Mrs. Wright explained that the apparition was like a flash of lightning in the form of a child's shadow. It could not have been a real child. It was not the least like one, nor did she recognize in it the image of any particular child. But it gave her a kind of shock, and it made her think. I wonder where those children are. It lasted long enough for her to gaze steadily at it, about a half a minute, and moved away to the right with her eyes upon it, and so disappeared. Not more than a quarter or three-quarters of a minute had passed before her brother-in-law called to her. It must have been five or seven minutes since the child had gone to play when the accident happened. Mrs. Wright afterwards learned from an eyewitness what the child had been doing out on the road for some minutes previously to the accident. While holding the dying child in her arms, she said to the people standing by, This is her death blow. I saw her shadow in the yard. She has had no hallucination of vision on any other occasion. And this is another ghost story of the old days. And this one comes from S.J. in the U.K., The Easter Sunday Ghost, 1882. December 14, 1882. Last Easter Sunday, I was retiring to bed just after 11 o'clock, and I stepped off the stairs on a landing that led to my room, my parents' bedroom door being in front of me, about 10 to 12 feet, and my door being about 2 feet to the right, so that I had to pass it to get to my room. I saw their bedroom door was open, and I was riveted to the spot by seeing, standing in the doorway in front of me, a figure of a female. Although I could not distinguish the dress, I could plainly see the features, and especially the eyes. I must have stood there at least twenty seconds, for my mother, hearing me stop suddenly before reaching my room, at last opened the door, they were downstairs at that time, and asked me what the matter was. I then came downstairs and stopped with them till we all retired together. The figure collapsed when my mother called me upstairs, and the light I held in my hand shone through the doorway to the opposite wall, which was obscured by the figure, as if it had had a tangible body. It was not until the following Wednesday that my mother, on reading the midweekly local paper, saw that there was the death of a young lady with whom I had once kept company for a short time. On inquiry, I found she died about the same time that I saw the apparition. I feel convinced it was her. Not having seen the girl for quite six months, I had almost forgotten about her existence. She died in decline, which accounts for her not being about the town before her death. Well, that's all I have for episode number 302. If you have a story you want to share with Anything Ghost listeners, send it to lex at anythingghost.com, lex at anythingghost.com, or go to the Anything Ghost website and fill out the form there, anythingghost.com. Okay, thanks everyone for your stories this time around, and I'll talk to you in show 
number 303 of Anything Ghost. Until then, take care.